Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wonders of Thetis. We're here to talk about Dragon Age. Yeah. Missed you guys last week. By that I mean I was not available. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to listen to the episode? Not yet. Okay. It's been a hectic time. We have a, a long story time with poor Andy uh, for a, a, a bad experience with Mutants and Mastermind. Oh, no. I'll Sounds have to listen like to a, it. He heard about my uh, bad experiences with early Dungeons and Dragons th- uh, 3.5 and uh, shared mm-hmm. a story, a similar story as to what turned him off from uh, 3rd edition of Mutants and Masterminds. That's fair. And a well, bad game is all it takes to ruin it. I guess you could say that, you know, there are hazards to every type of game. Yeah. Hey! We had ourselves another poll. We wanted to talk about a couple of mechanics that are involved in the game that we've been wanting to talk about for a long time, but uh, more, but uh, other interesting topics keep popping in, and other and folks want to talk about those. So I thought that we would put our foot down and finally talk about at least one of them. Yep. And I'm very glad we came up with this one because this one is probably the most colorful and robust one to talk about. We're talking about hazards. And don't forget, you can, of course, vote for the next episode's topics on our social media, uh, which I'm sure I'll be rattling off here later on. Uh, But let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started. First, we'll make a couple of shout outs to our other fellow podcasts in the D20 Radio Network. Uh, The Real Basement Dwellers are, in addition to several other topics about video gaming, are talking about Dungeons & Dragons Online in time for its 12th anniversary. Oh, wow. Really? 12? Yeah. I guess it's still going. Holy heck. I know, right? That's impressive. Join them for some conversation about video games and more. Uh, And our friends over at the Movie Defenders are defending Terminator Genesis. They also hope to remind folks that if they have a personal favorite movie that they feel needs defending, uh, to send them a request. They focus on the movies with larger exposure, so they recommend mentioning bigger movies. Sounds good to me. Mm Mm-hmm. They do good stuff. They do. Um, we have no news this week in Thetis. We're going to be keeping our ears to the ground. The, uh, the current listing for Faces of Thetis is slowly inching backwards through April. And according to some folks, uh, some of the official folks in the Green Running forums, even Amazon is a bit optimistic about when Faces of Thetis is coming out. So hopefully it's going to come out sometime in April, although I'd expect probably to wait until May. One of these days... One of these days, it'll happen, guys. They've got a lot of. They've always got stuff to send to Bioware, and then they got to get it back, and then they got to make changes that Bioware asks for. So it's always going to be a slow thing. But I got a funny feeling this one's going to be worth it. I believe it. Spring is going to be a great time for folks who like to play age games. Uh, so as soon as we know about something, you'll know about something. But uh, in the meantime, let us consult the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. Uh, We've got plenty of questions to get through this time, so let's not waste any time. 
Uh, our first couple of questions come from the vault of questions that Mark Natras has sent us. He has still sent me, I think, at least three or four more since our last episode. So awesome. we are not running dry. Never stop. We appreciate it, Mark. Uh, so Mark's questions are, uh, if you make an all-out attack major action and then get enough stun points for a lightning attack, does the plus one to damage apply to the second attack? There's nothing in the rules that really says it does, but I'm all down for it. Yeah, probably rules is written. I think it says something like your next attack, an all-out attack. I think so. But I can't see that break in the game. No, it's plus one to damage, and you're already sacrificing a point of defense to get that plus one to damage. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a reasonable thing to let happen. I'd even say extend it to dual dual strikes. If you're hitting two people, get that bonus to damage. Why not? Yeah, that seems, especially dual strike, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, absolutely. So go for it. Uh, the Reaver has a blurb in the description that's narrative, not mechanical, about the risk of being corrupted by demonic forces. How do you handle that sort of thing in your games? That's, mm, we uh, haven't had that issue, uh, well, we've had, you know, majory, but mm-hmm. we haven't had any issues with corruption. Yes, yet. we haven't had any issues with demonic possession. Uh, as for how we'd want to handle it in our games... I think that... How do you handle the risk, particularly? Because Reavers are using case. blood magic. I don't know if that's more noticeable to a demon than regular magic. Although, if you wanted to make your campaigns more exciting, I'm sure that a GM could rule that it is more noticeable to demons. Which could mean that maybe using your Reaver powers, maybe occasionally the GM asks for a willpower self-discipline test from you. And maybe if you flub it, we roll on the magical mishaps table. Could then be. I s- so a quick and easy way to do it, or we could always go straight on into, like, you're using those powers awfully close to the veil, a demon found you, you're wrestling for your body now. But yeah. that would be kind of a dick move, especially if the PCs are already in another encounter, and then one of the, one of the, and like the heavy hitter has to suddenly start wrestling with a demon. So, I mean, this is Dragon Age. Stuff's rough. It's up, I mean, it, talk to your players. Definitely. Talk to your players. Yes. Definitely talk to your players about that. Make sure the expectation has been set so that the players know what they're getting into so when they choose that specialization, they don't feel like they've been cheated. That they've yeah. been, had extra rugs pulled out from under them they didn't know were placed there. Yeah, I wouldn't do the sudden, you're possessed by a demon now, mm-hmm. tough luck. Like Or, you know, you're suddenly being possessed, cry about it. But mm-hmm. I would definitely uh, consider having them make now you you've used that especially if they use it a lot of the time or in extreme amount like in extreme anger or something mm. like that. Like just make make me a willpower self discipline test. Things are getting pretty heavy these days. Maybe check to see if there are any demons. Maybe there's a problem. But I wouldn't go the whole. You know, mm-hmm. by the way, you're possessed now. By or the way, there's a you're demon. you're fighting this now. Good luck. <laughs> Have fun. So, be kind, please. Uh, and if you're not going to be kind, let them make know sure ahead that of the time. players know ahead of time. Um, speaking of possession, your next question was, do you use it as character death, or do you make it a story point that allows the PCs to go on a quest to save their lost friend? I'm, I'm honestly down for both. It depends on the situation. Yeah. In... Uh the storyline that we've been running, we mm-hmm. have a way to, uh, in, in most, in almost every case, with the exception of like the litany of a draw line, even mm-hmm. that has its limitations. Yes. 
it's not possible to bring someone back from demonic possession. Once they've been possessed and they've got a demon in there, it's very hard to separate the two. That said, we have an ability in our game, like a homebrew ability, that with a high enough spirit test does allow for such things, but Mm -hmm. only within a certain amount of time anyway. Yes. So it's probably in most cases, if you're sticking with Dragon Age, unless you're doing something very specific, like you have a special ability that you're working with or Mm -hmm. something like that, it's usually character death. Usually, yeah. There's kind of no way to come back from that without very high-level special things. Right. I think that's fair. Um, Going on a quest to save your lost friend can make an excellent uh, addition to the campaign, uh, especially if you're prepared for it, but if it just kind of comes out of the blue, that uh, that can be tricky. may have the GM ask for the session to end so that they can prepare for uh, a new trek to go find like weird components or maybe a place mm-hmm. of power that they can do it in and things like that. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a tricky subject. I think probably the easiest way to deal with it is that it is character death, but you should definitely make like a couple of gates before you get there. Yeah. So like the players need to flub it real hard to to like go to like go straight to demon possession. Uh, or the more to make very poor choices with their lives. Such things do happen. Such things do happen. Some folks want power. Power, you know, comes at a price. You know, that pride demon was awfully persuasive. Yeah. So, thank you, Mark. We always appreciate your questions. Keep them coming. Yeah, thank you much, Lee. Uh, from Ruben Colpert on our, on our Facebook page. There is a strength intimidation focus, but how would a character be able to intimidate through magic or perhaps an impressive speech? Could this be done with magic intimidation uh, or communication intimidation, respectively? Or do you have perhaps another better idea? I Uh, love this question. Also, what about the opposed checks? I don't think we need to necessarily add intimidation to other things, but I definitely think making magic tests would be plenty intimidating on its own. I think that, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily add new focuses for it, but uh, maybe just a flat communication test. If someone is specifically planning on, like, their character arc, their sort of character thing is, I scare people with magic. I don't actually use the magic very much. Mm -hmm. I just use it to scare the ever-loving heck out of people. Mm -hmm. Then you might want to create a, you know, a magic intimidation or a communication intimidation, depending but mm-hmm. in most of these cases, you could just use, like, communication, leadership, or persuasion mm-hmm. to be very intimidating yes. in your, like, in how much prowess you have. Likewise, magic spirit, magic, <laughs> I feel like blood, I feel like magic blood automatically works as Yeah, that, that, that probably works very well. That's pretty effective. I mean, uh-huh. it's just a different way to write intimidate. The primal magic talent does let you make little flames in your hands. That's yeah. usually pretty pretty scary. Yeah, I think that's completely reasonable to just use the magic and whatever focus you have for the weird thing you're trying to pull off to scare mm-hmm. them. Um, as for opposed checks, then it's probably going to be up to the GM's up to GM fiat and in that particular situation, because some NPCs might prefer using different checks for resisting fear. Uh, the most obvious one would probably be like willpower, courage, or willpower, self-discipline, or willpower, morale. 
or mm-hmm. uh, see, or maybe if they want to try and fire back, make their own strength intimidation check, or maybe if they're another mage, maybe make their own magic test. Yeah, I was going to say one that w- I would say knowledge arcane or cunning, cunning arcane, arcane lore. lore. Yeah, I could see that would be a big deal for somebody who was being intimidated, intimidated by somebody wielding their little flames in their mm-hmm. hands because they, they could just sit there and be like, "Really, novice primal magic? Are you kidding me with this?" <laughs> Like, it, w- it was very different if somebody knows that you're just making these little flames. <laughs> right. I know a little Elysian girl put her hands in a pond and killed all the fish. Is that what you're up to? Something to that effect. But yeah, so I think allowing for multiple opportunities to resist is fair. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, some PCs and GMs and NPCs are going to have specialties that they'll probably want to use. So keep that in mind. Especially if you're going to have your NPCs making, like, may having, like, Tevinter characters make magic tech checks to try and intimidate the Southerners. Hmm. The Southern bumpkins who are so terrified of this power that we wield. Make a magic primal test to make some whooshy stuff. Their dogs are better than yours, though. We'll give them that one. (laughs) So thank you, Ruben. We appreciate the question. And, of course, here we go. Uh, the next question comes from our good friend Parsival on the Green Running Forums. Thank you so much. Um, this one we'll probably get into a little later, but uh, your question was, what role should the willpower stat play in resisting hazards and the self-discipline focus? It's like you know what we're going to talk about. Exactly. It's almost like I might have leaked it on the Green Running Forums already to try and get some input. Yeah. Imagine. What shock? So, um, I guess to answer your question, it can have as much as you want. We'll probably get into it a little bit more, but uh, to do a, like a quick and dirty answer, most hazards are physical challenges, mm-hmm. uh, but there is no reason we can't make a psychological hazard. Well, and I imagine adding a psychological complication to a physical hazard could make mm-hmm. it much harder. Like, yes. if you have, maybe even have a character that's afraid of heights... Mm-hmm. Ooh, and like you're that. out over a really slippery, tiny ledge. Ooh, maybe it's just a you hazard. You might for that have character. to make willpower. Well, even, for everyone else, it's a physical hazard. For that character, it's a physical hazard and an emo- like a mental hazard. I like that. Willpower, self discipline to be able to continue moving. Like, oh man, that poor guy has to make two tests every round. That's rough. That's rough. Interesting uh, way to use a phobia, though. But yes, totally. So do what she says. She's, <laughs> she's smart. I had a good thought. Thank you again for the question, Parcel. We always appreciate it, and I'm sure you'll get a more elaborate answer here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you out there in the ether are listening to the Wonders of Thetis podcast and have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, send a message to wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Kant the Protector or Heal the Puff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Kant or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's okay. us. If anyone wants to start any conversations on the D20 radio forum, by the way, it's not been touched too much. Feel free to be the, feel free to be the first. Come say hi. Yeah, come hang out with us there. It's a cool place. Or leave a suggestion. Uh, we're not going to open our books to the Distant Verses today, partially because I've kind of already leaked what we're probably going to be doing today. And, and because I said that we were going to be including some, a collection for you, which we'll talk about a little later and we'll, of course, make available later. Um... But 
Of course, all of our Distant Versus submissions and more are archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, com. if you'd like to go check them out yourself. And of course, if you have any custom content that you'd like to share with us, you can send it to us through all those places that I just mentioned. You know, that stuff. That stuff. So, uh, get out your get out your hazmat suits because this next topic is hazardous for your health. Yeah, I'm... Uh... And may, you know, even if you're not positive what we're going to be talking about, I'll bet you can hazard a guess. Ugh. Yeah. Disgusted noise. Yeah. This is the main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. Welcome to the main topic. Today we are talking about hazards. So, first question, what is a hazard? A hazard is a catch-all term to refer to the threats that can harm PCs beyond things like monsters, NPCs, traps, and poisons, and the other myriad list of things that can kill you in Thetis. But most of that myriad list is probably going to be hazards. Yeah, those are all things that actually intend to harm you. Yes. Hazards are just kind of there. Hazards are just, you know... Danger. They most often represent some kind of physical challenge to overcome, like bad weather, an unstable ground, or thorn bushes, but plenty are mental challenges, like trapped puzzles, whispering demons, or deteriorating enchantments built into a structure. And although hazards can act like traps, traps are a bit different and can be used as an entire system on their own. These are dazzling additions to encounters to make them more dangerous, as well as encounters themselves. Trying to ford a flooded river counts as combating a hazard, just like trying to escape a burning building or trying to stop the walls from closing in. Hazards are used for all types of age games. Fantasy Age, Blue Rose, Dragon Age, Titan's Grave, probably Modern Age, and the Expanse RPG as well. So this discussion will be useful for not only Dragon Age players, but for players of other age games. If you happen to be, you know, jumping into other age stuff and we highly recommend it. Yes, you should probably do it. It's It's great. Super cool. So, uh, first question. So, first thing we should wonder is when should you use hazards? Hazards are best used when the environment is dangerous, more dangerous than taking penalties to perception and attack rolls for fighting in like heavy precipitation or just fighting in the dark. Hazards are literal threats to the health of your PCs, and probably even the NPC is involved in encounters with them. They can appear anywhere and take nearly infinite forms. Get creative. Exactly. They can be magical, mechanical, or mundane. A hurricane, a broken magical circle exploding with feedback pulses, and a crushing trap are all potential hazards. That said, a crushing trap might be more in the line of traps. The trap rules don't necessarily include things like that, although potentially they could, but at least the crushing hazard that I wrote would not fit very well into the trap rules for a couple of reasons, which, which we'll get into. Um, use hazards to challenge the PCs physically and mentally in encounters that go beyond the usual bounds of combat or roleplay. That suit of armor with a 12 AR is likely not going to help a PC against a lightning strike or a rock slide. In fact, probably actively a problem when Mm, lightning is around. Definitely. Uh, Hazards present threats that can help create new tension or challenge your PCs in new ways that NPCs usually can't. There are other ways to harm PCs that might be considered hazards, but they are different for a number of reasons. Uh, traps have their own system on pages 97 through 99 and several of their own unique mechanics that make them stand apart from hazards. Traps are small one-off threats that can be created by PCs and villains with resources like money and materials. 
These give the heroes something codified that they can use to create their own deadly encounters for their foes, or for foes to have tools that they can use to fight the heroes. Hazards are much broader in scope than traps. They can represent deadly gases, swarms of blood-sucking creatures, or even tears in the veil. Traps are also purely mechanical in nature, while some hazards may be even psychological or magical. And a lot of, a lot of hazards are, cla are called traps, but have effects that traps don't really do, like a pit mm -hmm. trap. A pit trap isn't really is something you could probably do with the flavor of a trap, but you know it involves like making. But it's a bit more complicated than a trap. Like a trap is usually if you don't see it, you just take the effects. Mm -hmm. um, pit traps but, are you have to construct. You would have to mm -hmm. be constructed ahead of time. Correct. And... That might tra a pit trap might be something that could be reset, mm -hmm. or a pit trap might have extra effects like hiding at the bottom of yeah, it. it. Could have to be built into the area that's. Yes. Traps are usually something that you can, like, lay down to make it, make something a bit more dangerous. Unless you're casting Create Pit. Unless you're casting Create Pit. That's different. Uh, poisons. These rules can be found on pages 90 to 96. They are also valuable tools not only for heroes, but for villains to make their, combat against, make their combats against each other a bit more deadly and swift. They are also regulated to a stunt, so they require tests to be rolled by villains or heroes to activate. Their effects are contained to the victims of the poison and to the heroes and villains who took the talents for crafting poisons and explosives. Very elaborate poisons with unique stages of effects can be considered encounters themselves, but they are not considered hazards as their effects are usually too limited or narrow in scope. Mm -hmm. It's only affecting one person in general. Right. It's... And even then you have to you know, apply it, you probably have to take some talents mm -hmm. to use it and spend some money. And, and then it's you have less to environmental. Stunt. Yeah. Uh, you can certainly have something like, something like a poison gas, but... But that's an environmental effect. Exactly. Uh, circumstance bonuses and penalties, things like moving slowly through uh, the mud, or maybe heavy rain or driving snow is giving you penalties to attack normal modifiers. Because those are just adjustments you make to an encounter, they're not really classified as hazards. Hazards usually cause damage to their victims. They may impose some bonuses or penalties in addition to their normal effects, but they stand apart from simple penalties to tests because they have the potential to injure or even kill PCs and NPCs. I think another major thing that would keep uh, circumstance bonuses and penalties separate from hazards mm -hmm. yeah, more distinctly mm -hmm. is that with hazards, there's usually a chance to lessen or negate the impact. Yes. With circumstance bonuses and penalties, it's raining. You can't really do much about that. Right. Did you take the giant umbrella spell? I didn't think so. I want one, though. <laughs> Just make giant umbrellas. Just make a hoog umbrella. It'd be great. Huge. It'd be awesome. So. I could fly with it. I mean, you've got that levitate spell. I do. I guess. <laughs> you could, well, how, how much of a strength could you give that thing? A nine. A nine strength. Yeah. Flying umbrella party, it's time. So, uh, the next thing we'll get into is how do you make these hazard things? Uh, there are five major questions that you ask yourself when designing a hazard. You can Now, these questions are all in the core rulebook and the handling hazard sections of Chapter 9. We're going to try and elaborate on what they already have by making a hazard on the air with you. We want to make a hazard for a Fade Rift, the classic encounter of Dragon Age Inquisition. You're going to be dealing with plenty of those in Inquisition, so you'll get a nice taste of how they work. And hopefully, you know, I, I, th I think this is a pretty good, pretty good conversion. Although I'm sure other folks have uh, their own ver have their own versions of how they uh, or interpretations of how they work. So feel free to, you know, take this with a grain of salt if that's yeah. not how you'd run it. But this is how I'd run it. So for the five questions and their answers are as follows. What is the nature of the hazard? 
this is the broad question of what the hazard is and what it should do. This is probably where you will have already done the most thinking, so it should come easy. Um, as for our example, this is a tear in the veil, creating a tunnel from the waking world into the world of the Fade, where spirits and demons dwell. This, is also, this also allows demons from the Fade to cross over physically to the waking world, and maybe even allow Theodosians a chance to step into the Fade itself. This hazard is a small symptom of a much larger problem, but the symptom can still cause harm to anyone who might be living nearby the new rift. Can it be avoided? Can you use perception tests to find this hazard? How easy is it to detect? Does this hazard give clues to its nature so the PCs can prepare for it ahead of time? It may involve tests, involve, involve tests involving cunning with lore-based focuses to recall info about how something works. This knowledge can either help you avoid the hazard or help you mitigate the dangerous effects of the hazard. As for our example, fade rifts are fairly easy to avoid as they do not require... (laughs) They're kind of noticeable. Right. Big, big gaping holes in the sky. Uh Uh-huh. Usually. A terrifying green glow. Demons pouring out of them. You know, you're probably not going to need to make a test to find one. And honestly, there are probably going to be people coming to your heroes telling them about a fade rift. So, you know, avoiding them is simple as taking the long way around them. Uh, if the rift is a narrow passage or a canyon, it may be too difficult or time-consuming to go around a rift, in which case it might not be avoidable. Uh, how easy it is to avoid, avoid can present your PCs with a good choice. <coughs> Do they try to at least contain the threat, or avoid a potentially costly battle and endanger the surroundings? You know, choices we make, yeah. people. Dragon Age choices. Uh, how dangerous is the hazard? There are hazard categories on on the table on page 218 that you can use to generally define how physically dangerous the hazard is. This hazard category determines how much damage the hazard is expected to do. This is also defined by whether or not you can mitigate the damage with a test, a special action, a stunt, or a piece of equipment, or anything. You should also carefully determine if the damage is penetrating or not. Making the damage penetrating is a tempting thing for GMs, but remember that this makes hazards higher on the scale truly dangerous, even for higher level PCs. 6d6 penetrating damage is scary for anyone, not just PCs with low low AR and health. That's an average of about 21 damage, but with that many d6s, you're going to have a lot of swing. No, some swing, for sure. Mm -hmm. That said, you know, that's... That's pretty nasty. If so, if you're if you've got party members that are higher up, mm-hmm. then having that as a one-time hit for damage is not bad. But again, right. that's the seventeen to twenty range kind of deal. Yeah, that's that's still pretty nasty. So to our uh, to, with reference to our example, beyond the fact that it is a portal to the realm of dreams where deadly demons roam, hoping to claim mortal bodies <laughs> to walk the earth of Thetis, it's pretty dangerous. Not only do Fade Rifts create entire combat encounters around them with the demons they attract, they also target the PCs themselves as the world around them becomes less stable. Every even-numbered round in a combat with the demons that the Rift has allowed through, the demonic influence of negative emotions creates a dangerous pulse of energy with the intent to harm people from the waking world. Anyone not from the Fade who is standing within 16 yards of the Rift must make a target number 15 dexterity acrobatics or target number 17 willpower any test, to resist the burst of angry energy. Those who fail take 3d6 damage and are knocked prone. Those who succeed take half damage and do not fall prone. Question. Yes. How would that interact with someone who is currently possessed by something from the Fade? That is a fair question. That would probably not affect them, then. Neato. Because there's a bit of of Fade in them. If you're talking about a spirit healer... I might be. That would probably not apply. 
What? Because there's something you. It's it's on the other side. You're a cooperative abomination. It's still on the other side. If it was actively possessing you at that moment, then maybe. My side. It's on my side. <laughs> anyway. These are the things you have to talk to your players about, especially with this next section. Does it have any special effects? This is the part where I think uh, hazards get really, really fun. Um, beyond the damage that a hazard can do, they get much more interesting when they start to mess with the PCs in other ways. This can be the most fun part of creating a hazard. At least I think so. Uh, while they can certainly deal damage, maybe they pin the PCs under hundreds of pounds of snow or rock. Maybe they stick to the PCs after they leave the hazard's area, continuing to damage them. Maybe they leave some kind of scar or other visual effect that imposes penalties or bonuses for later encounters. This can be the most challenging part to write, as the possibilities for this aspect of a hazard are only limited by your imagination. They do just exactly what you want them to do. So have a lot of fun with this part, but also be very careful with it and watch it closely. I think adding extra inconveniences or problems really gives it like more dimension to mm. a hazard and makes it feel much more part of like an interact an interactive part of the setting. Yes, definitely. Especially if you're able to interact with the hazard in some way and maybe change its nature or even take control of it. Ooh. Who mm, knows? Stuff happens. Um, as mentioned earlier, most Fade Rifts are dangerous by themselves, but they augment this by attracting demons to the Rip in the Veil. This means that dealing with a Rift means that the heroes will have to deal with the demons outside of the Rift before they can even con attempt to contain the Rift at all. This encounter can be adjusted as the PCs become more powerful, attracting larger, more powerful demons, or even crazy NPCs who want to use the Rifts for their own nefarious deeds. Da -da -da. Things like that. So have a lot of fun with that one. Uh, and then take this next one into account. Uh, how long does it last? Does the hazard only occur once? Does it occur over mm. a certain amount of time? Does it simply happen every time a victor triggers it? Is it an ever-present threat? Some hazards, like dangerous gases, hang in the air for an entire encounter, damaging the PCs every round. Some hazards are a powerful rock slide that subsides after a few rounds. One might be a magical burst of energy that only happens once, then unlocking the door behind it as the magic keeping it locked subsides. This can also have a serious effect on the danger level of the hazard. If the heroes are having to make tests to resist the hazard every round of the encounter, they are likely going to be in much more trouble than a single test hazard that deals a larger chunk of damage. As mentioned above, the Fade Rift requires new tests to resist the burst of Fade energy every other round. This keeps the Fade Rift dangerous, but in the background of the encounter. The demons that prowl around it take center stage for the encounter anyway. Mm -hmm. At least that's the idea. It's not that much damage. It's only 3d6 and it's not penetrating damage, mm -hmm. but it does involve a knock prone. Say so the prone is a nice added mm -hmm. issue to have. It's a nice little touch that can also put them in danger of the demons that are surely surrounding them. You know, fun stuff. For kids. For kids. And inquisitors. Uh, there is no perfect method to making it, making a hazard. Uh, so there is, you know, there's never a baseline that must be obeyed. There's no point system to uh, to purchase how powerful uh, a hazard is. There's no, I don't know, point buy system. I think I just used that one. Yeah. The point cool. is, hazards are a glorious and colorful way to challenge your PCs, and you will know better than anyone what they can face and what they must run from. Do what works for your adventure and based on what your PCs can handle. Yeah, if you do that, I think you'll find that you can make some really exceptional hazards. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, as we start to close, 
got a quick episode this week. Uh, but we're going to talk about a couple of the ways that you can use hazards. Well, this episode's actually pretty pretty chill. Yeah, I like it. Nice little chill episode. Talk mm-hmm. about hazards. Um, hazards as encounters is one of the ways you can use them. And make the hazard itself the threat that the PCs have to combat. Hazards can be used in place of NPCs or traps or other dangers to create threats that are not so easily eliminated or bypassed. Mm-hmm. Traveling through a blizzard is dangerous to just about everyone inside it. Likewise, trying to cross the deserts of the Anderfells may involve several hazards before you even roll initiative against rolling, roaming darkspawn. You'll deal with harsh weather, sharp geography, or maybe even stranger things like blighted flora and fauna leaving you with no food to find. These kinds of hazards may involve many ability tests, advanced tests, expenditure of time and resources, or even combat to pass them and move on. Uh, they are usually more complicated and can have caveats or conditions that change their behavior. Uh, and encounter hazards usually can't be avoided. They must be confronted to continue the adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can also use hazards as complications. You can use them as maybe those complications that I mentioned when taking the Wayback Machine uh, to encounter design. I think it was episode 13? It was a while ago. It was a while ago. We're episode 48 now. Look at us. Woo. Uh, While a battle against a small group of ogres might be bad enough, adding a hazard like deep road gas vents or an avalanche might make your fight more memorable and exciting. These hazards should be kept simple to avoid overcomplicating the encounter because you've already got an entire combat to run. Adding more rules is just going to make things weirder. Unless you like that kind of thing, in which case, go nuts. Um, These can also give your encounter an oomph if your NPCs are either protected from the hazard or even immune to it. Deadly deep road gas vents. I don't know why I like using that one particularly. But they, hmm. uh, they see uh, might not harm undead creatures like enraged corpses, ash wraiths, or dwarven apparitions. So they can fight the PCs perfectly fine while the PCs are having to cover their noses and hold their breath for a while. Mm-hmm. And when they start breathing the gases, start taking penetrating damage. Um, swinging bladed hallways may hurt your PCs, but the shadows down the hall don't seem to mind. All those incorporeal mm-hmm. things that are coming down the hall don't seem to be bothered. Uh, maybe a floor has been electrified by magic or frozen lightning crystals, but the enemies have rubber soles added to their boots of armor or armor to protect them from the shock. That said, hilarious opportunity for, uh, someone stuck in the swinging blade hallway with the shadows. Mm-hmm. Cast telekinetic weapons on the swinging blades. Watch them come at you. Carnage. Oh, man. Oh, man. That means that the blades are going to hurt you so much more when you have to go through them yourself. Well, we're not going to go through them. They're going to come at us. (laughs) Well, maybe... And get trashed. Probably. And then you'll just use... What is it? Uh, Earth glide? Earth step? Something like that. But I, I was just saying... It also gives your players an opportunity to look for creative ways to deal with these problems. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, And often they'll come up with things that are kind of harebrained, too. So, so be ready. Be ready. That electrified we'll, we'll always floor, have something. <laughs> that electrified floor might be useful for the heroes if they use the knock-prone stunts to get their foes off their rubber soles. Um, and, Who uh, has rubber soles? It's, I, I don't know. Engineers, I guess. Folks who are expecting people who are expecting to walk on uh, that's a good point. Rubber doesn't get invented for a while, does it? Well, I mean, there's like the gum rubber from trees, but I don't know the people. I I don't think that's in wide circulation right now. I guess it would. It would have maybe they maybe they've got just tree sap that they stepped in or something. There you go. Um, Now to go back all the way to the distant verses uh, to help folks get started or spark some creativity, we have a collection of pre-made hazards that you can use for your games. 
You can find this link for the collection in the blog post for this episode and our resources for your game page. Feel free to take a look, uh, and if you maybe if you want to add an extra one, give us a shout. Maybe we'll play and see if we can put it in. Yeah. Get your name on it. Come and uh, create with us. Mm-hmm. Add to the list. Make it a collection to be proud of. So, nice relaxing little episode. Yeah. Talk about something cool. Given that we're talking about, you know, deadly hazards. You know. It was pretty relaxing. I'm talking about rock slides and fade rifts and demons and, you know. And check it out under an hour. Check us out. Well, it's been real. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the One is a Theus podcast. Hope that recurring damage to your hope that recurring damage to your brain with see with our with the sound waves and the volume all the way up wasn't so bad. And you're making your constitution stamina tests. Yeah, we're uh, we know there's been there have been some volume issues with past episodes, and we're mm. we're trying to work them out. We haven't been having that issue when we play them back. Yeah, I haven't had that issue myself, but so we're we're trying to figure it out. So if the if this one blew your ears out, apologies. Mm-hmm. Yes, just Incidentally, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes <laughs> on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you a good and happy Thanks for listening to the One is the Thetis podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Have a good one.